Patented Metairie. You're listening to ESPN 100.3 FM, KLRZ, La Rose, New Orleans, and the River Region. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the Sports Hangover with Gus Kattengill. Local sports, national sports. The G-Cat is on it. Oh, you made a wise choice, my friend. Now, settle up for a tall glass of sports talk. Here's the Sports Hangover with Gus Kattengill. It is hour number three. Pelicans get a big, big win. Take care of their business up in Denver. Head coach Willie Green. Think said it best, right? After the game. It's a good trip. Um, two games is solid. Three games is good. Four games is great. We'll take good. Three out of four. There it is. I tell you what. To me, I, I think it's a great trip. Being able to get three wins on the road and being able to do that. Which sets up a big game tomorrow. Clippers are on the road tonight. So they will be on the back-to-back taking on your Pelicans tomorrow. Tonight, Clippers are taking on the Grizzlies over in Memphis, and Memphis is a five-point favorite there. That's at seven, also at seven on NBA TV. You got the Lakers and T-Wolves. Line is even on that one. Raphael says it could be a couple of T-Wolves players that are sick. I don't know. Nas Reed has a fractured wrist. He's going to be out for a little bit. Julius Randle sprained ankle. He could be out two weeks. So the Pels play the Knicks and T-Wolves. Easter weekend, Friday here, it's New York in the regular season home finale. Likely without Julius Randle, Nas Reed likely won't be available for that game at Minnesota on Easter Sunday. Yesterday, Nikola Jokic didn't play. That's a them problem. Pels took care of their business. So, we've been touching on that. And also, of course, the men's Final Four is tomorrow, but the ladies' Final Four is tonight. LSU taking on Virginia Tech. LSU a two-point favorite. And covering for Fox 8 is Miss Madeline Adams, who has been covering the Lady, Lady Tigers throughout the uh, tournament here as well. Madeline, it's here. Can you believe? First off, good afternoon. How are you? Thank you for your time. Hey, Gus. I'm doing good. How are you doing? Doing well. Can, can you believe you're covering a Final Four game with LSU? You know, honestly, I can't. It's, and I think, too, it, you know, it, it's just so early in Kim Mulkey's career. Um, and, look, I know she's a national championship winning head coach. She won three national championships and four final four trips uh, at Baylor. But still, I mean, when she came to Baton Rouge, she tried to temper expectations because LSU fans, they, they see a little bit of success and they run with it, right? So the, mm-hmm. the fact that in their in her first year at LSU, um, she took LSU to the NCAA tournament. They won that first game, first round game. Uh, they lost the second round game. The goal this year was, look, hey, Let's just advance to the Sweet 16. Let's just win one more game than we won, you know, in Kim Mulkey's first year. Uh, that was her message to the team. And then they, you know, won that second-round game, and then they beat Utah, and then they beat Miami, and then now they're here at the Final Four. And it's been an incredible run um, to cover, and it's been so much fun. And, yeah, it's, it's truly, like, I can't believe um, in Kim Mulkey's second year that she's been able to lead this team to a Final Four. It just is a testament to her head coaching ability. That said, you got to have your players, too, and players had buy-in, and she mentioned yep. a lot of different personalities. But I, I guess when I look at it, and I'm trying to ask you, too, Madeline, is is no doubt coach is a big aspect of it. But yes. is this team talented? Is this team talented enough to be here as well? Yeah. I mean, look, you know, there were doubters. Um, and Angel, Angel Reese kind of talked about that yesterday, mm-hmm. that, you know, a lot of people kind of saw them as the underdogs throughout the season because they thought the non-conference schedule was too weak. They thought the SEC was too weak. We've seen that. The SEC actually was pretty good this year with South Carolina and Tennessee and teams like that. Um, and, and so there were doubters all year, especially knowing that it's Kim Mulkey's second year. Um, but they've been able to do this. Um, and, and, look, they won games when they needed to. Uh, you look at these last four games um, against Hawaii, Michigan, Utah, and Miami, their defense has been some of the best defense I've ever seen. Um, and, and, look, they've not been where they want to be offensively, and they've admitted that. They have not been the offensive team they want to be. Um, I think a couple factors play into that, obviously playing in different arenas, playing with these new 
they call them more bouncier basketballs uh, that the NCAA has been using in the NCAA tournament. Um, so their offense hasn't been where their standard is, but it hasn't mattered so far because they've been able to play such good defense and against several different offensive teams too. You know, Utah was very different than Miami offensively, and they've been able to defend both well. Um, so yeah, I mean, they, their defense has been good enough to get to this point in the season, and Kim Mulkey has been saying, look, the better defensive teams tend to prevail in the NCAA tournament. They've been focusing on that, and it's gotten them here to the Final Four in Dallas. Natalie, I think another thing, too, is how teams handle the journey, the ride, right? And yeah. I've always said this, man, that the, the more dangerous teams, baseball, football, basketball, are teams that play with that edge, that chip on their shoulder, that, oh, we're not supposed to be here sort of thing. You kind of hinted at that, right? When you have talked to these ladies and you've seen them in press conferences or you're around them, they, they're all about, I guess, going out there and proving and showing that they, they belong. Mm-hmm. And that's just that chip that I'm talking about, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, you know, they, they've heard all season how their non-conference schedule was two weeks, that they wouldn't be prepared for moments like this in the postseason. Um, and they proved people wrong. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. When, you know, they were, they were going toe to toe. That Utah game was a battle. Um, and, and it came down literally to the last second. And in moments like that, you do have to pull from the mentality, the chip on your shoulder. What do you want to prove in this game? And, I mean, they've proved, obviously, they're here at the Final Four, and that's proved a lot in itself. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they, they have been the more mentally tough team in these last four games, having to withstand Utah, having to withstand Michigan. Because Michigan, uh, back at the PMAC and Baton Rouge in that second-round game, Michigan came out and was on a 5-0 run uh, to start the second half. And LSU kind of had to, like, weather the storm there. Kim Mulkey called a timeout. They, you know, regrouped. And then it was, you know, LSU sailed the rest of the way. Um, but yeah, I mean, they've had to, they've had to be the more mentally tough team. Alexis Morris has mentioned that, that like the more, you know, tougher the teams are mentally, they're going to succeed. Um, especially when you get here, because there's so many distractions when you get to the final four, right? All the lights and the cameras, and there's so much more media covering you and you're in a different city. And this is like right. the biggest event in the city right now. I mean, the tickets. Or actually, I think the cheapest ticket you can get to this game is like two hundred eighty dollars. It's actually wow. more expensive than the cheapest ticket you can get at the men's final yes. four. Yeah, it's incredible. Um, so I mean, there's just so many distractions here. So yeah, teams have to be able to handle that. And two, again, I think you know LSU has had girls. You know, they, they've have they have starters who have played in the postseason four. Um, I think Ladeja Williams has you know when she was at South Carolina has played obviously this far in the postseason. But still, you I mean you've got to have experience and. Who better to lead them kind of through this than Kim Mulkey, who's no stranger to the postseason, no stranger to the Final Four? That kind of, that kind of takes uh, those questions and kind of sets the tone and narrative, mm-hmm. right? Whether yeah. it's you asking questions, Madeline, or or speaking yeah. for those players too. But that's that's why she is who she is. Speaking with Madeline Adams yeah. of Fox State at Madeline Adams TV. Okay, so we've touched a little bit on Coach, the players, the journey to get here, and and even some of the games that they've won. What, what can you tell us about Virginia Tech though tonight's opponent? I, I think they got a good shot I, to to at least get to the title game, but I, I I think it's because they got their players. But what about Virginia Tech? They're a one seed. Yeah, look, Virginia Tech. These are kind of two different teams, program history wise, because this is LSU's sixth trip to the Final Four in program history. This is Virginia Tech's first trip to the Final Four in program history. This is head coach Kenny Brooks' first trip to the Final Four as a head coach. I think the difference with these two teams is LSU has a lot of transfers, first-year transfers. They have, you know, young freshman superstars like Samaya Smith and Flaugé Johnson. But Virginia Tech has a lot of experienced seniors on that team who've been playing together for several years. Four out of their five starters are seniors. The one junior is Georgia Amore, who was first-team All-ACC. So, and I mean, she can shoot the three. Uh, Virginia Tech has the ACC Player of the Year in Elizabeth Kitley. She will really be Angel Reese's biggest challenge. I mean, that's two of the best post players in the country. Angel Reese, who's an All-American, Elizabeth Hitley, who was, like I said, the ACC Player of the Year. Um, Virginia Tech's just one of those teams that they got hot at the right time, right? And that's that's the entire motto of the postseason is, you know, when you kind of go and play your best basketball at the right time, you get to the Final Four like they have. They've won 15, uh, their last 15 games. So they're on a 15-game win streak. Like I said, they're a- ACC champions. Um and, and they're just a, a really experienced team. Now, they're not experienced mm-hmm. at the Final Four, but they're experienced seniors who have just been playing together. Kim Mulkey touched on that, that like they have kind of the edge experience-wise just because they've played together for so long. Yeah. And and look, I and when I look at the second game, too, as well, and you mentioned about the interest in 
mm-hmm. either tonight or tomorrow night. It, it is crazy. I, I saw the same kind of sets of tweets too from ticket brokers: fifty dollars, forty five dollars for all of the games in the men's final four. Yeah. That's that's not the norm. Look, Monica McNutt from ESPN. I played her um, comments earlier today. She says she thinks the women's game is growing, and a lot of it has mm-hmm. to do with the investment in it. I yep. saw you commented and a bunch of different people commented on getting Little Wayne to do the hype video and, and putting <laughs> money and effort in that. We got used to Joe Burrow and LSU getting yeah. that. But does it say something that universities and their video departments and stuff are, are putting forth the effort and the money? Look, Kim challenged him, right, at the press conference. Mm-hmm. She's like, I want the same treatment. But I yep. think when you do that, you're, you're getting the notoriety now. Yeah, and look, winning solves a lot of that too, right? The more you win, the more publicity to get you you get. You know, the more kind of you're on this national uh, stage. Yeah, I mean, I think there's several factors to that. I think NIL plays a big part in that too, because you're seeing these players advertise for Powerade, advertise Mm. for Gatorade. You know, you're you're seeing them on some of these national campaigns as well. Um, And so, yeah, I mean, this sport has been growing so much, um, and the way that these athletes have been able to use, you know, social media, use their NIL opportunities as well. Um, and, and, yeah, I mean, it, the game has been growing, and, and, and not only in Baton Rouge, but just across the country. Um, you know, this weekend, we really have some of the best, the top players uh, in the nation competing. So, no, you don't have the, the UConn, you know, here. You don't have some of the Blue Bloods. Obviously, you have South Carolina, who, you know, has become a Blue Blood. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, you have some of the top players here, and I think people want to see that. People want to see Caitlin Clark uh, yeah. And they want to see Aaliyah Boston in the same game, right? Like, so people are so excited for that. They want to see Angel Reese going head to head with Elizabeth Kitley. Like, these are just games that you know college basketball fans in general want to see when they appreciate the sport. And so, I think, yeah, it's really cool. Um, like I said, I mean, for for the cheapest ticket here to be two hundred and eighty dollars, and then I think the most expensive ticket for the championship game on Sunday uh, is like twenty eight hundred dollars in the wow. lower bowl. Wow. So, yeah, it, this is, I mean, look, and this is a busy weekend in Dallas. I have to preface that, too. Like, Taylor Swift is here all weekend. She's performing. <laughs> uh, my Phillies are, are opening the season against the Texas Rangers. So it's uh-huh. a busy weekend here in Dallas, but people want to be right here at the American Airlines Center watching the Final Four. Are you going to get to go to Taylor? You know, I thought about it. I actually thought about going to a Phillies game because, uh. <laughs> you know, it, it's hard for me, obviously, to travel all the way to Philadelphia. Right. Uh, and the fact Very that they're true. here this weekend, I'm like, man, I kind of maybe I can go edit, you know, at the game and just kind of sure. get a press pass for the Rangers. So we'll yeah. see if we can make it happen. But yeah. I definitely thought about it. <laughs> you know what? I Look, Garland, Juan, Sean, they're nice guys, I'm sure. And even Facilios, <laughs> they'll, they'll, somebody will, will pitch in and vouch for you. Go, 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 go catch a Phillies game. Who do you think wins look, tonight? Do you think look, the Tigers get I, into the Natty? I have to do – Garland actually suggested I go to the Phillies game, so I have to get some props too. Uh, but as far as this game here, look, LSU's two-point favorites. Um, Vegas was spot on in the last game. LSU was 12-point favorites over Miami. They were spot on. LSU won by 12. Um, you know, it, this is going to be the toughest game of the season. Um, I do think LSU has the edge just because, again, you play good defense, it doesn't matter what the team you know has done before offensively. Um, I think this is this is a good matchup for LSU. I think they can really play their style of defense against this team. Um, it'll be a lower scoring game than people expect, just because that's kind of been the trend with LSU uh, these last couple games. And I don't think you know defense kind of tends to be again like you know what helps teams advance to the to the next round or game. Um, and so I, again, I think that's just the most important thing in this game. Like it has been, uh, this postseason run for LSU and, mm-hmm. you know, it's going to be tough. It's, it's, this is probably going to be their toughest opponent of the postseason that they faced so far, but I do think LSU edges them out, um, and wins a very close game. It's crazy they wouldn't say this, but in 30 seconds, cause that's all the time we have. So you can go about your okay. business, but LSU baseball, big win yesterday. Oh my gosh! It, it's incredible <laughs> to see to see Paul Skeens perform the way he performed for for again for LSU fans to break yeah. the Alex Box attendance record. That is prime SEC baseball right there. That that was a postseason game uh, in what we're still in March, late March. March. Uh, it was incredible. Um, I mean, man, they they was a pitcher's duel from start to you know pretty much like you know I don't know the seventh or eighth inning. Um, you know, had a big time, big few hits from, from home and native Gavin Dugas. So, uh, man, that was such an impressive win. Hopefully they can follow that up and, and clinch the series. But, 
Um, yeah, Tennessee's got a great team, too. So those two teams will really go far in the postseason. I'll tell you what Kim's done. I gave you 30 seconds to talk about 13,068 watching LSU <laughs> and Tennessee play baseball. But that's, that's where we are. we got plenty of time that's to it. talk baseball. Madeline, thank you so much for your time. Go check out her reports. She is in Dallas. She's there covering the Lady Tigers. She's been doing an all-tournament at Madeline Adams TV. Go check her out on Fox Sports 8. Enjoy the game. Should be fun. Yes, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Thank you so much, Gus, for having me. Always fun talking with you. Nope, for sure. Thank you. Madeline Adams, quick break. We come back. Marlon Favorite will join us here as well. It's the Sports Hangover on ESPN New Orleans. Following a natural disaster, it is imperative that insurance companies respond quickly for our communities to begin to rebuild. Louisiana law requires prompt adjustment of claims as well as payment following a storm. If your insurance company failed to pay your claim within 30 days following inspection of your property, please call us at AMO Trial Lawyers, 985-446-3333. That's 985-446-3333. You may have an additional claim for recovery. AMO Trowlers. Balance. You may know what that word means, but can you apply its meaning to your body? You see, it's all about the brain. At Upper Cervical Family Chiropractic, doctors work to locate and remove any nerve interference so your brain can communicate clearly with your body and help you correctly heal quicker. Located in Lakeview and West Harrison, Dr. Josh Roulette and his team at UCFC utilize a number of therapies to make your road to pain relief, recovery, and total body wellness efficient and effective. Go to ucfamilychiropractic.com for more information. Educate yourself on your body and let us get you back to balance. Missing teeth can adversely affect speech, digestion, and how someone chews their food. Studies show that missing even a single tooth can lead to being self-conscious, feelings of depression, and low self-esteem. Tooth loss can negatively impact nutrition, as your diet may be limited to softer, often unhealthy foods. That's why dental implants are a long-term investment in your overall health. With implants, there are fewer diet restrictions better bone preservation than dentures, and they won't affect neighboring teeth like bridges. Implants look and feel natural and can last for many years. Don't let missing teeth stop you from enjoying life. Make an informed decision. Properly placed dental implants can be a long-lasting solution for missing teeth when placed by the surgical experts. Your smile and health are too precious to trust to just anybody. Oral and maxillofacial surgeons are the trusted specialists having undergone extensive education and training, making them the experts in face, mouth, and jaw surgery. How can we be excited about a show where we just talk? Talk sports. That's how they talk in the major league. Now back to The Sports Hangover with Gus Kattengau. Pelicans finally taxiing. I know I told you a while ago they were ready to leave. Been on a plane for an hour, had a little, little, little issue getting up there and uh, a little weather as well. But they will be on their way. Dr. Josh Roulette asking me, and I honestly don't know. It makes me a little nauseated. Marlon Fave writes, I big Fave 504. Inside the trenches, the podcast, LeBron fan. Uh, Lakers or Minnesota tonight? Who do we want to win on behalf of the Pelicans? So I asked the graph myself, and he simply said, uh, you would like Minnesota. I, I'm with him. I, I don't want to face LaBooBoo. And the Lakers in a play-in or anything from that nature, man. Um, there's a lot of people this week saying they could win the finals now all of a sudden. Are you one of those as well, Marlon? Well, when it comes to LeBron James, you always have to have a certain level of optimism. <laughs> and it's there. Yeah. But I, I, will, I will say this, man. This isn't football. Mm-hmm. It's basketball. So it's not my premier, my premier sport. Right, but basketball is probably somewhere in my top four, you know, somewhere in that right. Okay. But what well, I love, okay, which, what I love about uh, this Pelicans team is the energy that these guys bring. From Bi, when you have a healthy Zion, man, just all of those guys combined, being a native of the area. So I'm not as I'm a big LeBron fan, so I kind of follow him where he goes, but. I love the Pels. As a matter of fact, I would love to get a Zion Williamson jersey. Okay. Well, there you go. No, that's understandable. I get it. It does help to have the league behind you. Now, I mean, here's the thing. I want to ask you something because the, the owners' meetings were this week, and he talked um, – he, Roger Goodell, and, and others are talking about different perhaps rule changes or not with the competition committee. Well, one thing that is being discussed a lot is the old uh, – third, fourth, and inches or short, whatever, and and players pushing other players from the back. 
very like rugby style, like a scrum, if that makes any sense, Marlon. Being a D tackle, are you cool with the quarterback trying to get through you in the center? You're holding, you know, Fort, and then here comes the running back, the receiver, the tight end, and everybody else pushing the quarterback in the butt to try to get across the line of scrimmage. Are you cool with that? Listen, the, the name of the game is to, is to win, right? So, okay. I mean, Philadelphia okay. tried and it didn't work against the Chiefs when they went rugby style. Shouts out to the NOLA Gold rugby team. We do have a rugby team yeah. here. So I've, I've seen that thing in action at practice and in, and in games. So, listen, we have to figure out a way to defend it. I can't take it in nowhere or the other because the objective of the game is to win. It's not cheating. There isn't anything in the rule book okay. where it says no rugby style blockers, so I can't hate on it. I just can't. Right, I understand that. Um, also got voted down, and I'm not happy about this. Not not that anyone ever listens to me, much less uh, you know Comrade Goodell and them. But should roughing the passer be reviewable? That 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 got tabled. It's not happening. Got voted. That it's they're not going to do that. Should roughing the passer though be a reviewable play? As a defense attack, you know, I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say it because a lot of times it turns into basketball, and I can't lie, LeBron James is good at this. It's flopping. A lot of times the quarterback, we don't hit them that hard. They make it look like it was in the – it depends on the timing. So I think that's something that should be reviewable to go back in a serious eye, like really send that one to the sky. I want like the sky judge still. At the time the ball was thrown versus when he hit him, mm-hmm. that matters to me. And it, it's no way being a defensive tackle, it's hard to peel back on a sack when you're right there. And that's the whole objective. So I, I do think now if you're going below the quarterback knees, you're going at his head, that's different. But if it's a clean timed a slightly timed hit between the chin and I would say right mid girth. It's good. It's all good. Yeah. Okay. I hear you. Um, just a couple quick more other NFL things. I'll get your thoughts on LSU's pro day here that took place uh, this week. Are you still surprised? Here, here's another Friday. And Jeremy Fowler, I played this earlier today with Lamar Jackson. And you had, I think, Tuesday or Wednesday, Arthur Blank came out and said, yeah, you know, he misses five, six games, and I don't know his style. It's just it's not for us. And then you had Ron Rivera say, well, you know, the, I'm cool with my offense and things of that nature. And everyone was like, dude, you won with Cam Newton. Like, why, why, why wouldn't you at least, like, call and make the offer? And here's what Jeremy Fowler said earlier today on ESPN. No team as of now is preparing aggressively an offer sheet for Lamar Jackson. At least that's a feeling around the league, in part because teams are considering that, hey, if you make an offer sheet, Baltimore is just going to match it. So you're doing the work for Baltimore and Lamar Jackson. But Jackson is clearly frustrated because he's got nobody to negotiate with. The Ravens have put him in a difficult spot with their negotiating tactic here. And I'm told there's no chance, at least right now, that Jackson is signing that franchise tag 10 and it might be a while before he does, so it feels like anything is possible. So, two-parter, are you surprised by a lack of interest or offers or whatever, or is it like what Jeremy said, the structure and things that the Ravens have done kind of prevents you from doing so? And would hiring an agent help if he's Lamar? Um, I, I do. I don't think the structure piece, right, and, and, and I want to discuss that first. On the structure piece, these owners, these GMs, they want to do business the way they are used to doing business, traditional business. So I do think the deal would be done had Lamar Jackson with the traditional way and, and went with an agent. But I respect his approach and the way he wants to go about doing business. And he wants to represent himself because here's the deal. I mean, this, this, isn't, this isn't nothing new under the sun. Uh, Ray Lewis didn't have a traditional agent. He did his own deals as well. It's players that do this, but it's that position. It's the quarterback position and not really wanting to give NFL players guaranteed money. Um, I think here uh, this staff does, in New Orleans does an excellent job at giving a guy a big contract on the front end in the last few years, restructuring it the way it works in their favor. So I like what 
Lamar is doing, Lamar Jackson is doing, he has that value. You look at where he's at on that team, what he means to the Baltimore Ravens. He's more than just a quarterback for the, for that team. He's a running back. He he he's had them with the winning percentage that they have. He has been been an MVP, and this is all in his first contract. So, a Gus, I'm, I'm team Lamar. Continue to do it the way you want to do it. At the end of the day, you are your you are your enterprise. You are your business. And then on the B side of it, Gus, with what the other teams are doing, they this is one group of guys, thirty two mm-hmm. one group of guys. It's several teams that salivating over getting Lamar Jackson, but it's going to be a chess match with the contract. Yeah. It's, pretty, it's really interesting, I think, when you look at it from that standpoint. Well, uh, a couple of your Tigers went through Pro Day earlier this week here as well. I, I think one of the storylines was Keishon Butte th- th- deciding not to try to improve his combine numbers. Didn't do a lot of the the individual drills and things of that nature. He ran some position drills and routes. But what do you make of what's going on with him? And and more importantly, they, like, don't you think he could have helped them a little bit for for do that? Yeah, I mean, for for, for Sean, you want at your pro day, you want to do everything, guys. You don't want to not. And, and I know what he's doing. He's he's relying heavily on his film, particularly from the year before, uh, and, and what he was able to do. And going into this season, being uh, ranked so so high. But I think a lot of teams wanted to see a, you know, where his speed was versus what he ran at the combine was was a slower time. B, see him in some of these individual drills uh, that could improve his 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 uh, status. And, and lastly, C, uh, just doing everything at your pro day does help because it's like a second. It's almost like a second combine. So I think you know you look at it from that perspective, it would have definitely helped us. How about some other Tigers? Who stood out to you? I think uh, Bernard. I mean, running at that 40, his vertical being a 42, he really helped his stock. Uh, in, in my opinion, he was a cornerback that really transferred to, Louis, uh, to, to LSU from where he didn't sign initially. He was one of the top guys in the state, went to Oklahoma State, and he somewhat, at, the con- at our pro day, he improved his stock. I do think he, he, he definitely jumped off the chart. Um, I'm still getting some more results uh, from everything, but uh, just DeQuayle, uh Royal, I, th- I heard he had a pretty good performance. Uh, Todd Harris, I saw some of his workout. He's a guy who really got lost um, in the shuffle of uh, of uh, LSU DBs. And once again, performing at the pro day helps everyone. And the fact that he's a guy that we didn't, we don't have a ton of tape on. They were able to see him perform, and I thought he showed, uh, you know, why he's a part of that DBU deal. So he may, maybe can get on somebody's, uh, you know, become an undrafted free agent or, or a late rounder, luckily. But, I mean, it, those are the guys, you know, from, from what I got it and saw from the different sources uh, from LSU stood out. Hmm. It's crazy to think, um, you know, the, the drafts around the corner here as well, the, the film – the pro days, all of that will take into it. I've always wondered when, when that clock is on though, what, what is that you rely on the most? And I, I just think at the end of the day, man, it's one thing to me that translates from Saturday to Sundays is can you make plays, right? Can you make plays? Can you handle all those things, distractions, the ancillary things? When, when you don't do well, Marlon, that's, that's kind of one of my things. How does somebody bounce back after a poor game or a bad game or Twitter's killing you and, Whatever, like, how do you handle that? To me, is um, just as important as you know doing cartwheels and front flips like Anthony Richardson yesterday. And <laughs> 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 it's still impressive. I am not taking that away, though. Believe me. And guys, if you look at the NFL draft in, in the first few picks, it's quarterback heavy. It, it's quarterback heavy. You look at guys like Anthony Richardson, C.J. Stroud, uh, Bryce Young. I mean, that, that could potentially be the first three picks. And then you start to look at defense. You, you look at guys like Will Anderson Jr. Uh, working for LSU Sports Radio, Dustin, just doing our local media. We, we, you know, we see a lot of, we've seen a lot of him and know what he can do. Uh, you look at, you look at Tyree Wilson, uh, is rusher from Texas Tech. Um, you, you go to, uh, Lucas Van uh, Ness from Iowa, is rusher that got him eight picks to Atlanta. So you, you jump around and of course Detroit. Looking at Jalen uh, Carter, 
to come in at, as a, a dominant DT. So you look at all of these guys after the quarterback, it, the, the draft gets heavy edge rushers. So, of course, we all anticipate what New Orleans is going to do with their pick. I think, uh, you know, they may lean towards an edge rusher as well or, mm-hmm. or someone um, on the interior. There it is. Marlon favorite man. Looking forward to hanging out with you here. Come the draft. Uh, and it's not that far away when, when you think about it. In the meantime, though, we'll root against your Lakers. That's just what we do here in New Orleans. <laughs> you want to go through the Greek street, huh? <laughs> I hear you, man. Hey, you have a good weekend. We'll see you Monday. You do the same. There you go. It's Big Fay 504, Marlon Favorite inside the trenches. Way to follow the podcast. The Sports Hangover, Leo Haggerty next on ESPN New Orleans. Are you working way too hard for way too little? There's never been a better time to consider a career in IT. You could enjoy a recession-resistant career in a rewarding field with plenty of growth opportunities and often flexible work environments. Go to mycomputercareer.edu and take the free career evaluation. You could start your new career in months, not years. Take classes online or on campus. And financial aid is available to qualified students, including the GI Bill. Now is the time. mycomputercareer.edu uh, da, da, da. Yes, we do have availability. Those dates for how many guests? Andrea's Boutique Hotel is the destination to tie the knot. Oh, you want the whole property. She needs an assistant to catch the bookings bouquets. 249 guests, huh? Oh, and three dogs. Indeed can help her hire great people fast. I need Indeed. Indeed you do. We instantly connect you with quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description. Visit Indeed.com slash credit and get $75 towards your first sponsored job. Terms and conditions apply. Keyshawn, Jay Will, and Max. Our very own Alan Yates has never had soup. Mike Tannenbaum. What is your favorite kind of soup? Oh, matzo ball soup. Matzo ball is number one. I like matzo ball soup. I don't know if it's my number one, but it's good. Mike Reese, ESPN Patriots reporter. Chicken noodle soup, guys. Chicken noodle noodle is my vote. With a soda on the side, Mike? No soda. Dan Graziano, ESPN NFL Insider. Text the Sports Center producers and tell them I gotta cancel this segment I got coming up, cause this is more important. We gotta lock in on this soup thing. Your favorite soup? And, uh, clam chowder. Tom Cress, Nikki, 95.3 FM in Tampa Bay. What is your favorite soup? My favorite soup is tomato bisque, guys. I love it. Paul Feinbaum of the Paul Feinbaum Show. What's your favorite soup, Paul? Tomato rice. Our very own Alan Yates have never had soup. I think it's weird, Paul. Uh, you know what I mean? Wish my mother was around. She would have fixed him uh, some matzo ball soup. That's oh, right. Yeah. GJ and Max. Mornings on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app. Oh, big talker, ain't you? The man that likes to talk. Now, back to the Sports Hangover with Gus Kattengill on ESPN 100.3 FM and ESPN 1003.com. Leo Haggerty, as always, man. Appreciate the time on Friday, sir. How are you today? I am fine, Gus, and before you ask, my favorite soup is Italian wedding soup. Oh, okay. I like that. Nothing wrong with a little Italian wedding soup there, for sure. Got the final fours this weekend. Men tomorrow, ladies tonight. If you're judging by ticket brokers or just uh prices, it, it looks like there's a little bit more interest in the ladies. Uh We just spoke with Madeline Adams of Fox 8, the top of the hour. 2800 for the really good ones for Monday or Sunday I guess is the national championship today over 200 bucks and I'm I'm seeing 35 45 dollars get you in Houston for the men's final four what do you make of this year's final fours on both the men and the women well I'll tell you what Gus let's start with the women and uh South Carolina better take note of how good Caitlin Clark is she dropped a 40 burger on Louisville, and Louisville's pretty good. I think South Carolina, and, and Dawn Staley is one of the best coaches ever. I think you're going to see a triangle in two, and they're going to force her to give the ball up and say to the other four kids at Iowa, you beat us, but we're not going to let Caitlin Clark beat us. Because if they single cover her, Gus, South Carolina will get beat. Iowa will beat them. There's no wow. doubt about that. They're going to have to get the ball out of her hands. LSU, I think, beats Virginia Tech on the other side, and it becomes a SEC final. LSU, South Carolina. Mm-hmm. If the, that they're smart enough to get Caitlin Clark to take, get the ball out of hands. Now the men, well, I'll tell you what, this this, this is fun. 
because you got Florida, Atlantic, and you got San Diego State. Now, Gus, I'm going to be honest with you. I got a rooting interest here. Brian Dutcher and I have been very good friends for over 50 years. So I'd be in Houston now talking about this, but, uh, you know, I just can't fly yet. Right. But uh, I'll tell you what, San Diego State defends like it's the end of the world. (laughs) Connecticut scores like it's the end of the world. Right. You've got the best matchups with Miami and Connecticut as you do on the other side with San Diego State and Florida Atlantic. I think San Diego State comes out, and I think Miami upsets Connecticut. Wow. And and, and then it it becomes interesting. Hmm. Yeah, you know, I'm kind of the same way, too. I'm trying to find that rooting interest, and I wonder if there's something to that or not. And, man, I, I don't know. Like I said, I... At the beginning of the tournament, on that Thursday, we're doing our remote show, and Leo, I might have even asked you this on the day after on Friday. I can't remember the last time that I couldn't name two or three Duke players, a, a North Carolina player or two, Kansas. I mean, just and, and look, look, and, and full disclosure with me doing NBA this season, my focus has been on there, so I'm not watching as many college basketball games, but. I pull up mock drafts for the upcoming NBA draft. The first Duke player's 30th. Like, there's not even a North Carolina guy in the first round. So I, I don't know if I'm that far off of it. What do you make of that? Because Tom Izzo to the, today, this morning on ESPN, he kind of blames a lot with the transfer portal. And, and he doesn't care for it. And he thinks if you do transfer, you should sit, especially if you're a two-time transfer and things of that nature. Well, what do you make of where college basketball is right now? Well, you know, the portal has completely changed the dynamic of college basketball because you can get better in the space of 10 minutes right now because these guys are eligible immediately. And and the hard thing is when a coach leaves and goes somewhere else, he could coach right away. He doesn't have to sit for a year. And again, that was the argument that the players gave. They said, hey, look, we want to transfer. Why do we have to sit? No one else has to sit. And, and that becomes a problem. But, yeah, Gus, the portal is out of control because now you're starting to see, and, and you know somebody's buying somebody in the portal. You just know that. That's the way things are. And, and they've got to get a little bit of control here because if you're transferring every year, yeah, that second time, I like Izzo's idea. Okay, now you've got to sit for a year if you're going a second time. First time, it's like a free pass. Second time, nope, now you've got to sit. See what happens. Um, what do you like tonight? Uh, you said tonight you think LSU has a shot? Oh, I think LSU's got a great shot. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, Reese. And, and again, you got the uh, Virginia Tech that's been there for the first time and they're going to be a little jittery. LSU. Yeah. Yeah. You know, with, with Kim Mulkey, who has been there on numerous occasions with Baylor, she's going to be a, a definitely a steadying force. For, for the Tigers. Yeah, we'll see what happens. I think they got a good shot to, to win it here tonight. Um, I want to get to, obviously, the, the NFL here. Speaking with Leo Haggerty, covers the Bucks, the NFC South, a little basketball, a little baseball as well, if you'd like to get into that here as well over the next couple of Fridays, sir. But when you look at um, the owners' meetings, is you know, the, the first day or so, a lot of the rules get looked at and things of that nature. Are you surprised that roughing the passer was not made reviewable yeah especially well but they probably figure now with brady out of the league they won't have to worry about it because <laughs> i think half of the roughing the passer penalties were all on guys dealing with brady but that's that surprised me i'll tell you another thing that surprised me when you watch the cincinnati kansas city game and you watch that roughing uh, unnecessary roughness on Mahomes on the sideline, he is barely touched. And and they, they basically put the ball within field goal range and, and the guy makes it. I think you've got to review that as whether it's a 15 or a 5. That's it. I'd like to see that. I'll tell you what else the NFL needs to do. They need to define what pass interference is. Gus, I don't know if you're the same. You probably are. Right. When the flag goes out, you don't know if it's on the offense or the defense. 
there's so much pushing and shelving. Well, and the, and the other thing, the- yeah, and I was going to say to the other thing too, quite honestly, Leo, I've gotten to the point, I'm almost conditioned that if it's an incomplete pass, I'm expecting a flag. Like you can't play defense. Oh, yeah. I'm expecting a flag when, and, and the receivers are as well. Name me the last time you saw an incomplete pass where a receiver didn't turn around and start doing the gesture of a, of an official throwing a flag. Yeah, exactly. And that's you suffered through that down there with the Vikings game when that you know and the Rams game. You know, two terrible non calls and just. I'm amazed that it didn't come after that. But, yeah, I was surprised they didn't review the roughing the passer. I'm surprised they're not trying to clean up the, the, the pass interference because it happens every play, especially after what happened in the Super Bowl with the Eagles. And, and again, Ron Jaworski and I both came out and said, that happens every play. And, and you know, are you going to call that? No, but you're going to allow it because – you have to. That's how the game has evolved, and I, I really think the NFL needs to reel that in a little bit. Leo, the other thing, too, that didn't even get um, voted on, and part of the reason the the owners are saying, well, we, we don't really know how to make it a rule, it's something that we're seeing a lot of lately. It's a play. Teams are designing plays of rugby scrums. Right on short yarder situations, goal line situations, where they will stack and um, line up on the line, and then have a couple guys push the quarterback or push whoever the ball carrier is using force, uh, like like a rugby scrum. Do you like that? I asked Marlon Fave right before you was a defensive tackle. He's like, well, you know, it is football, but <laughs> I wish it would just me against the center as opposed to me against three, four guys trying to push over me. What do you think of that? You know what, Gus, there used to be a rule that you couldn't aid the runner from behind like that. Right. And that's kind of gone by the wayside. And, again, look what the Eagles do. When they run that quarterback sneak, their linemen are like six inches off the ground, and those guys are big and they're road graders. Yeah, they. I think you need to kind of decide what you want to do as a league is is one team really changing it for the other 31? I kind of think so. I, I think you need to get away from, you know, the three guys behind the quarterback just pushing them in there because that's, that's – you're right, Gus. It's not football. It's rugby. Yeah, I hear you. Um, anything else stood out? We played a lot of what Dennis Allen had to say and things of that nature. I, I guess the, the thing that stood out to me from – both coaches in the AFC and FC speaking on Monday and Tuesday is their way to respond to their lack of interest when it comes to Lamar Jackson. Are you surprised that here we are on another Friday? Not an offer, not a phone call. Now Lamar's taking the Instagram and Twitter. Like, what do you make of all this? That's they're not going to pay him. And, and again, everybody's going after Arthur Blank because he said what is fact. The guy's missed five or six games the last two years. You can't give a quarterback $40 million if he's only going to play 12 games or 11 games. That's just, that, that's not good business. And I said this on your show the other day. The Ravens definitely pulled a fast one, and it's a genius move. They're letting everybody else negotiate. And Lamar's going to figure out he's not going to get that money. Now, do you sit? Or do you come back to the Ravens? Because that's what's going to happen. Uh, the second thing, Gus, on that same line, the Jets better figure out it's going to cost the number one to get Aaron Rodgers. You know, they, they don't want to do that. And they said, you're going to have to come up with a number one mm-hmm. because the Packers aren't going to let him go for that. But again, when you look at the dynamics of the NFL, they've got to find a way to cut this money back that they're paying the quarterbacks. You can't have one guy eating up 25% of your cap. Just one guy. In fact, sometimes it's, you know, close to 50%. It's, it's crazy with, with what they're seeing. But is Lamar Jackson worth it? He's worth $30 million. I don't think he's worth $40 million. That's just me. 
No, oh, I hear you. It, it is interesting. I mean, guy won an MVP. And I know the guy can can help. Like I was just thinking too, man. Like with Atlanta, I mean that they they run an offense that Marcus Mariota was running, you know, and 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 ran a lot. I just like I would think it'd be plug and play with the Panthers getting the first pick overall, the Saints getting a veteran in Carr. I can't imagine the Falcons would want to at least call him and see what is it that he really wants or not. It's just just odd to me. You know what, Gus? I think they're going to get involved. That, that, right now, if I'm an NFL team, I'm just going to wait. Mm. I want to see if somebody pulls the trigger first and sets the bar. So you do think and there's I, interest? They're just waiting oh, to see yeah. who blinks first, the organization. Yeah, there's definite interest. Okay. There just isn't interest in the money he's looking at because they're saying, well, you know, he, he's the next guy in line. And, and again, when you come down to the next group of quarterbacks coming out, then it's going to get interesting because the guy at San Diego is a pocket passer. And again, Lamar Jackson, whether he likes it or not, they look at him as a running quarterback, not as a passing quarterback. And as long as the rules stay the way they are and you can't hit him, he's okay. But again, if that changes, you got a problem. Leo Hagner, as always, man, enjoy the weekend, sir. We'll talk again next week. All right, and we'll have some uh, Final Four finally done. Sounds good, man. Take care, buddy. You too, brother. Bye-bye. Yep. Quick break. We come back. Sports Hangover at ESPN New Orleans. Ramsey's is paying the taxes on every item you purchase. Up to $4,000. And if you buy your diamond separate from the ring... We'll count that as two separate items. You win and you win again. Our tax-free event is going on right now. But it ends tomorrow at 6. Come in and take a look. We've got fabulous engagement ring diamonds. And big anniversary diamonds. That are easily within your budget. Tell them about big anniversary diamonds, Lori. A big anniversary diamond is any diamond that's at least twice as big as the one in her engagement ring. A big anniversary diamond says... I love you twice as much today as the day I married you. And you can shout it to the world with a big diamond. One carat, two carats, three carats and bigger. We can even custom design your ring to make it one of a kind. Big anniversary diamonds. Fabulous prices, tax-free. And 0% financing. With approved credit. Welcome to Ramsey's. Our tax-free event is going on right now. But it ends tomorrow at 6. Ramsey's Diamond Jewelers is the largest diamond store in Louisiana on veterans between Bonneville and West End in Metairie. Thibodeau Regional Cancer Institute Festival of Hope presents Concert for the Cause with up-and-coming music artist Kennedy Anderson live Saturday, April 15th. Also performing local favorites Soul Survivors. Kennedy Anderson and Soul Survivors Saturday, April 15th at 1.30 at the Thibodeau Regional Sports Complex. Proceeds support cancer education, screenings, and treatment. Adults $20, kids $10, and under 6 free. For more, go to Thibodeau.com. It's Gus Gell with the Sports Hangover. Join us for Thursdays with the crew of Katie's. Every Thursday, we'll be live at a member of the Katie's family of restaurants from 12 to 3. Whether it's Katie's on Iberville, Francesca's Deli on Harrison, or the View on Hickory. Enjoy lively sports banter with delicious eats. Join us as we talk about the latest from our local teams. You'll likely hear me argue with Scott Craig about his St. Louis Cardinals and my Chicago Cubs. Good thing he's a Brother Martin grad. Thursdays from 12 to 3 is the Sports Hangover with the crew of Katie's on ESPN New Orleans. How can you be excited about a show where we just talk? Talk sports. That's how they talk in the Major League. Now back to the Sports Hangover with Gus Kattengau. 800-998-1003 across the pond, as they say we go. Well, looky here. I got a little little knock on the, the Zoom thing. There it is. And there is a, a professor. What, what did you say on Twitter? A professor in London or an American professor in London, something like that? An American professor in England, yeah. <laughs> what, well, hello, sir. How are you? I'm doing well, sir. How are you? What is up, New Orleans, man? I miss y'all terribly. Yeah, so tell everybody where you at, man. I am in Manchester, England right now, uh, handling some business for like all of my other work that I do outside of ESPN New Orleans, but I'm still here. I know somebody else is hosting one event. Shout out to Casey Disclare doing a great job yesterday, and Raphael is going to host a couple episodes as well until I get back stateside. 
But uh, it's it's good to be back on the air. Well, we got a lot to get into in a short amount of time. We got about three minutes, and we can catch up again on Monday on this. But women's final four, men's final four. Do you think there's more excitement about the ladies or the men? It kind of seems like everyone I talked to today, there isn't. If you judge by ticket prices, kind of. Yeah, I'm more excited about the women's than I am the men's, uh, especially for the teams that are in it. South Carolina just looks unbeatable, uh, but it's going to be cool to see how these teams match up with each other. I know Iowa's really good, uh, LSU's really good as well, but the men's Final Four, I, I, if FAU is the national champion this year, <laughs> then, like <laughs> that'll just say what all, everything we need to know about the portal and all of that stuff yeah. because it has completely changed the game. Dude, it's funny because every time I, I think about them and, and I've been on campus there I, when I was the Tulane sideline reporter, they played there one year, and, you know, it's Boca Raton. And every time I, I hear that, though, all I can think of is the Seinfeld episode where, you know, the Seinfelds try to move to Del Boca Vista. You, know, that's, I, I don't <laughs> you mean to tell me there's no more room in Del Boca Vista? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and all of Del Boca Vista? I mean, I, it's, I, don't, I know it's two completely different places. I don't even know if Boca Vista exists. But <laughs> every time I see FAU, I, I just think of George's dad. Um I'm with you. I, I think LSU has a good shot tonight. And I think, look, yeah. it's already a successful season. If they make it to the national championship game, outstanding. I just think South Carolina, look, I mean, they, they took the steps to catch UConn, to take over UConn's spot as the most dominant program. And they're all the most dominant program right now. I, I would say she's easily one of the most recognizable head coaches as well, too, right? Very powerful, influential, very good at what she does. Um, 100%. Yeah, so... Don Staley's done a tremendous job. It's just going to take a little bit. And again, you're ahead of schedule. She says that. But I'm going to sit back and enjoy it. No stress today. I'd love to see them win. When it comes to the men, are you going with FAU? Is that where you're going? I guess so, right? I, I just want to – I mean, my bracket is completely destroyed, so it might as well be FAU. Why not, man? It's been that kind of tournament, so go ahead, man. Let's go Owls. All right, there you go. Let's go Owls <laughs> all day on Boca Vista. Um, <laughs> yeah, if, if they win or they play on Monday – we're going to be using a lot of Seinfeld references. You know uh, it. Look, I, I I had to retape Chef Scotty's ankles and a couple of other, you know, people that have jumped off the bandwagon for the Pels. I mean, seriously, I, I bought him some, some ankle braces. I mean, they, they lose one game after winning five. Here you go. Just shut down. Why? Who even matters? Bring in Zion back. And, you know, all I know is this. They're, they're winning a lot more than losing as of late. Yeah, the teams they should be beating, and teams beating. that are sitting other players, they're winning by twenty, thirty points. Yeah, I kind of want to say the word that they're peaking at the right time. Is that is that a fair thing to say, or do I got to wait to see if this team can win two or three on this homestand? This is what we've been saying for the past couple of weeks is that they need to streak. They need to get start winning games, but they need to be consistent with what they're doing. And they're being more consistent now, especially Brandon Ingram, right. being more consistent now than they've been over the past couple of months. So this is the time that you want to do it, especially going into the playoffs, because it looks like they're pretty firmly going to be in the play. And even though the West is very tight and if the Clips lose tonight and then they beat the Clips tomorrow, right. then they'll be six. Yeah, that's two they'll games. Be right, right up there. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, and look, they're playing tonight, so they will be on the, on a back to back, man. I'm excited about this, and um, it, it, it at least there's no excuse, right, for this four game homestand. Like these games should be sold out. The fans should be all about it because you can literally watch this team put themselves in a position to maybe host a a, a you know at least a play in, but if not, get into the first round. I, I want Absolutely. to avoid Memphis as the two seed, man. I don't want to face Memphis in the first round. That's just me. One hundred percent, man. You do not want to play Memphis right now, but you might not want to play the Pels right now the way that they've been playing. Good point. That's the professor. Uh, we'll chat with you again on Monday, catch up on some other stuff we're doing here as well, and talk about the national title game and the women's having crowned a national title. Thank you, sir. Cheers, mate. All right. <laughs> I got that. Um, coming up next, Matt Muscona after further review on ESPN New Orleans. <laughs> 